after what Ron DeSantis did to him. Um, we've got a bunch of anti-American Blue Anon election conspiracies that are floating around, and nobody seems to really say anything about it in the news media. And yes, Susan Sarandon appears to have gone ultra-maga. And a lot of you are confused. Because that's the title of the live stream on Rumble. Rumble.com slash Casey those Susan Sarandon can't go ultra-maga because Susan Sarandon isn't conservative. But she did. It's a very weird world that we live in. We'll get to it. I promise. I also want to thank R&B Car Company locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. All right, let's just start off with one of the local police scandals that is happening. This is the only one that's really publicly known. There's another one that I'm working on right now. Clifton French, realnewsmichiana.com. Sheriff's wife abruptly leaves clerk job as state police start the investigation into the office. Oh, that's interesting. All right, let's dive in, shall we? Real News Michiana's confirmed St. Joseph County Sheriff Bill Redmond's wife, Kimberly Redmond, abruptly left her job at the clerk of circuit court's office at nearly the exact same time the Indiana State Police began their investigation into the potential election crimes there. Hmm. So Sheriff Redmond's wife worked at the clerk's office. The clerk, of course, uh, illegally went into the absentee ballot room. According to Kim Redmond's personal, uh, personnel records obtained by uh, R&M through public records request, Redmond left her job with the clerk's office on July 8th of this year. Only six days later, on July 14th, a letter was sent to the St. Joseph County Commissioners regarding the retention of an attorney for the clerk and her office regarding the Indiana State Police investigation. The attorney retained by the clerk is James Corporal. Corporal is the same attorney who oversaw the recount of ballots in the 2018 Democrat Sheriff's primary in which Kim's husband, Bill Redman, won the election by less than 20 votes. <clears throat> Weird. We've told you before, there's always something a little, little shifty about that sheriff's race, but I digress. The investigation into the clerk's office involves the office's handling of absentee ballots. Uh, again, that all has to do with the multiple keys that were discovered back in May. Uh, those keys were were made, and there were duplicates of the Republican lock key. They were done without the Republican Party knowing anything about it. The people who have the key are not authorized by the Republican Party to have those keys, and they're not authorized by the Republican Party to go into the absentee ballot room or to unlock it on the Republican Party's behalf. And then, of course, we caught the clerk herself the night before the primary election, this last primary walking into the absentee ballot room, grabbing what appear to be ballots, taking them out, throwing them in the trash, and then burying them under other trash, not just setting them on top, as most people do when they throw things away. Uh, Generally speaking, the only things that I I bury in the trash are things that I tend to not want other people to find. Alyssa, you? Yep, yep, same thing with her, too. So it's like it's a multi-generational tactic to hide crap or something. Now, what would she be hiding that she brought out of the absentee ballot room. What was she doing? You okay? You're getting beat up by the stapler over there? You all right? She's fighting the stapler. The stapler's winning. It's okay. Don't don't staple yourself. I mean, you won't die or anything, but just don't staple yourself. So then they claimed that the Republicans were there when that ballot room was emptied. They did that at a public public meeting. The Republican Party refuted that and said, no, we were not there when the ballot room was emptied. What are you talking about? 
And then they claimed that the ballot room was empty anyway. And all she was doing, the clerk, was doing janitorial work. And then what we have is 10 minutes after she did this janitorial work, a woman came in and collected more boxes of ballots. So there were clearly ballots in the room that she took those ballots out of, which they said did not happen. Okay. Indiana State Police opened another investigation into the video of Clerk Rita Glenn um, disposing of documents. Again, they appear to be ballots, but I can't definitively prove that to you. All right. Uh, Let's see. Also discovered through Kimberly Redmond's personnel file was that she started her job in the clerk's office at nearly the same exact time that her husband announced his plan to over St. Joseph County Sheriff. As an aside, Sheriff Redmond. Where is the dare money? Where's the dare money? Honestly, I, I look, I've, I've interviewed uh, McGowan, who is running against Redmond, who has a really good commercial that we just heard earlier this afternoon on this station, too, by the way. But he's too nice. I don't mean that. I mean, like, he's too nice. He's, he's more nice than I am. Like, if I were running against Redmond, all of my political signs would be, I would basically have the signs that said my money, and then I would have other signs that say, where's the dare money, Redmond? That's where all of my signs would be. Just you have, where's the dare money, Redmond, and then my sign with my political name and everything else on there. Um, so that way people, you know, would be like, hey, what's this money thing about? Start asking about where the money is. And then you inevitably we'll find that the legal department for the St. Joseph County Police Department said that uh, Sheriff Redmond, back when he was running dare, Put the money in a personal and private bank account, and there seems to be some missing money. Don't know exactly how much. We could extrapolate out an estimate, but we don't know exactly how much money is missing. All we know is that there's money that appears to be missing. But regardless, he was chastised by the previous sheriff and uh, forced to put the money in a a, uh, bank account, according to the legal department at the St. Joseph County Police Department. Not according to me, not even according to Clifton French or Real News Michiana or any other news outlet. That is according to the legal department's official statement to Clifton French when he worked for ABC 57 News. Uh, So the primary race between Bill Redmond and Corbett was extremely close, with a recount ordered after Redmond defeated Corbett by less than 20 votes. So she works for the clerk's office. The clerk's office has a history of ballot scandals. The clerk has been caught messing with ballots, or at least messing with the ballot room while ballots were in there. Um, you've got everything that happened with Butch Morgan and everything else. The clerk's office also recently rehired somebody who was convicted in the Butch Morgan vote fraud scandal several years ago, and they now work in the office again. So is it really beyond the realm of possibility to assume that when your wife goes to work for the clerk's office and you narrowly win an election by less than 20 votes, that maybe perhaps there might be something nefarious? I'm not accusing her of anything. I have no evidence against her. I'm just saying, given the history of the clerk's office in St. Joseph County, the timing is a little interesting, don't you think? The wife of one of the candidates goes to work at the clerk's office right when the candidate makes the announcement, and that particular candidate happens to win by less than 20 votes, and the clerk's office is kind of responsible for the ballots and stuff. I don't know, man. It just seems it's like it's a little weird. So anyway... Uh, Real News Michiana is still trying to determine why Kimberly Redmond left her job in the office. Sources have uh, told uh, R&M several different reasons for the decision, including the investigation by the Indiana State Police. 
Uh, different sources have also said that Redmond left her job because of symptoms caused by long COVID and that she wanted to spend more time with her grandchildren. Uh, Redmond has not been able to uh, be reached for comment. So I I don't know. I don't know. Is there a long COVID thing? Long COVID causing people to leave their work is not really something that is prevalent. Doesn't mean it's not possible. Uh, generally speaking, not something that's relevant. But you know, hey, it, and here's the thing: I'm not I'm not implying that she might have done anything wrong here. It's just that she doesn't work for the clerk's office anymore, and suddenly there's a lot of heat on the clerk's office. And it could just be that. Hey, uh, my husband's a sheriff, and I don't want to be here while the police are investigating my employer. So I'm gone. It could be as simple as that, which, frankly, I wouldn't blame her. If I were working for the clerk's office, if I were him, I would have demanded that she quit. But that's just me. If I'm the sheriff of the county, and I know that the Indiana State Police are investigating the office staff where my wife works for election fraud and other illegal activities, I'm probably looking at my spouse and going, you're going to quit now because you're not going to work at a place that's under investigation by the Indiana State Police while I'm sheriff and currently in the middle of a re-election bid. So it would it would be wise for her to not work there anymore. I'm, I want to make this crystal clear. I don't have any evidence at all that she has done anything wrong. I'm not accusing her of doing anything wrong. Um, it's just, it's a development and it is tied to the clerk's office, and everything that is tied to the clerk's office right now, I feel like needs to be documented publicly because there's some stuff coming down the pipe with the clerk's office that I think is going to be very, very big. And it, a lot of it's probably going to happen after the election in November, to be perfectly honest with you, but uh, there's a lot of stuff that seems to be coming down the pike for the uh, the clerk's office, and it's going to be a doozy, uh, including you know national parties potentially getting involved in everything else. So... Just keep that in mind, which is why anytime there's a development there at the clerk's office, I feel like we need to talk about it, need to tell you about it, if nothing else, to keep the actual two stories in the public's, you know, mindset, if you will. But also just in case something does develop and they're all tied together, you now have a timeline of events that are all connected. All right. What else do we have here? Rumble.com. Yes, we're live streaming on Rumble.com. You can go to Rumble.com. Slash Casey the host, rumble.com slash Casey the host. Hit that subscribe button. Again, the goal is 100,000 subscribers. We are nearly there. Got 93,000 to go, or uh, 97,000 to go. We're almost there. We're almost there, ladies and gentlemen. Rumble.com slash Casey the host. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Start NFL Week 8 off right with a no-sweat, same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your Thursday night same-game parlay does not hit. I went two for three yesterday. Not bad. Not bad. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday like uh, Tom Brady over passing yards, Lamar Jackson over rushing yards, and Mike Evans to get a touchdown anytime during the game. But you can build your parlay however you want, or 
you can actually choose from one of the popular same-game parlays that are pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can bet the NFL on Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up with my promo code Casey if you don't already have an account. If you already have a FanDuel account, you're all set. Just sign in and see what you've got in your app. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And again, you must be 21 or over and present in Indiana. Three-plus legs, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is not withdrawable. Free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max bonus, excuse me, max free bet, $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Can we, um, we all pause for a second and just realize that I have like four of their disclaimers memorized by heart. You know, you realize how difficult it is to memorize four legal disclaimers for a gambling app? How difficult that is? And somehow I have them memorized for crying out loud. I don't know how that is. I just do. I can't remember anybody's birthday, but I can remember that. Not exactly a good look for me. Anyway, what else do we have here? Tons of weird stuff out there. I got to talk about these Twitter employees, though. Um, you know, the the end is nigh for Twitter, unless, of course, now there's speculation that Joe Biden's going to step in. I don't know that he can and stop the purchase of Twitter. Now, let's let's just for a second. For, and for the record, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't even think he has any legal standing to do that. But for for the record, let's go back through this. Right, Elon Musk basically does a hostile takeover of Twitter, right? He starts buying stock. He starts trying to influence Twitter to do the right thing. Twitter's basically like, bleep you, Elon Musk. We're still going to censor people. We hate freedom. And he says, all right, I'm just going to buy you then. So he basically initiates a hostile takeover of Twitter. Twitter fights the hostile takeover. They do everything they can within their legal powers to prevent Elon Musk from actually acquiring Twitter But Elon strategized in a brilliant way because he's clearly a genius at business. He overvalues the product. He's offering to pay them more than the product is worth, which means everybody who had Twitter shares is going to get paid more money than than they were actually owed. And the only defense that Twitter actually had was that he was trying to undervalue the company and therefore basically steal the company without offering fair compensation which he already headed off at the pass and said, nope, nonsensical. One or two of the members of the board tried to say that Twitter was more valuable than he was valuing it at. The problem is that um, Twitter wasn't more valuable. And Twitter's only been profitable since Trump became president. Remember, this is a company that they were trying desperately to sell for years, but it had so much debt and it was so negative to own Twitter then nobody wanted it. But Trump made Twitter profitable. And as a result, Twitter, frankly, has gotten worse. Okay. It just, it, had, it was never great, but it got worse. And, but it only became profitable because of Trump. And so he overvalued it. So he really just kind of cut them off at the pass. So they didn't want to sell to him, but he was able to win that. And they were eventually forced to sell to him. And one of the terms of the sale is you got to disclose, you know, how many fake accounts are on Twitter. And they did like a random sample of like, I don't know, like 100 accounts or something like that. And then they gave him the data and he goes, 100 accounts is not enough. You need to do a real sample and get me a real number of fake accounts and bot accounts on your platform. And if you don't do that, 
I'm going to assume that you're hiding something and that maybe Twitter's not as valuable as I'm valuing it. And Twitter fought that. They gave him some data, but not all of it. And as a result, he tried to back out of the deal saying they're hiding something. And I don't think that Twitter is as valuable as as even they're claiming, let alone what I'm paying for it, because I think that most of Twitter is basically fake accounts. That's what he said. Okay, so now Twitter goes to court. Keep in mind, Twitter did not want to sell to Elon Musk. Then Elon Musk backed out of the deal. And then Twitter went to court to force Elon Musk to purchase Twitter. So Twitter went from not wanting him to buy it to then wanting to force him to buy it. So Musk went to court, defended himself. Eventually, he finally said, all right, fine, I'll buy Twitter. And the rumor there is that he really didn't like something that was tweeted out um, about Ukraine and Russia. And he thought it, you know, he needed to take over Twitter, if nothing else, to try and maybe simmer things down and prevent uh, conflict. That's the rumor anyway. So he says, all right, forget all the other stuff. I don't even care if there are bots. I don't care if I'm overvaluing. I'll buy Twitter for the original deal that I offered, okay? So now, now um, we're at a point where, where Twitter is pitching a fit. Twitter employees are now pitching a fit that he's going to buy it again. So they, they don't want to sell to him. Then they want to force him to buy. Then they don't want to sell to him again. And if they do sell to him, they want him to do things on, on their terms. And then they sent this this letter. Now, I want to read you this letter because this is hysterical. Elon Musk has basically said, I'm going to fire 75% of Twitter staff, which is great. I think that Twitter was planning on cutting down 25%. I think that was in their budget for next year is that they were going to, they were going to actually lay off 25% of their staff anyway. And he's just like, yeah, why 25%? Let's just do 75%. We demand of future of current and future leadership respect. We demand leadership to respect the platform and the workers who maintain it by committing to preserve the current headcount. In other words, don't lay anybody off. Safety. We demand that leadership does not discriminate against workers. That's illegal. On the basis of their race, gender, disability, sexual orientation, or political beliefs, or political beliefs, or political beliefs, or political beliefs. Did I just read that? Alyssa says I did. We have Twitter employees demanding that their employment status be respected based on their political beliefs. The same people who do not respect your political beliefs on the platform are demanding that their political beliefs be respected at work for the platform that doesn't respect other people's political beliefs. That's where we're at. As I've said before, Casey's rule number three, the left can't play by their own rules. We also demand safety for workers on visas who will be forced to leave the country they work in if they are laid off. Eh, you know, that's it. Uh, protection. We demand Elon Musk explicitly commit to preserve our benefits. <laughs> Those both listed in the merger agreement and not, e.g. remote work. We demand leadership to establish and ensure fair severance policies for all workers before and after any change in ownership and dignity. We demand transparent, prompt, and thoughtful communication around our working conditions. We demand to be treated with dignity and to not be treated as mere pawns in a game played by billionaires. Sincerely, Twitter workers. All right, cool. Um, Have your IT staff figure out who signed on to that letter. 
and fire all of them first. The audacity of these purple-haired dweebs to make demands of their boss. So many things wrong. So many things wrong with some of these generations. Not all of them, but some. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Got to tell you about Impress Jewelry Creations. If you go to impressjewelers.com, you will see the IJC one-of-a-kind collection. Scroll down a little bit. It's right there on the website. And I want you to click on that. The reason I want you to click on that is you're going to see jewelry that you've never seen before. There's no advertisement for it. There's no washed-up celebrity who's been digitally photoshopped so they still look like they're at least in their late 30s or early 40s, even though they're in their 70s now. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because this jewelry is one of a kind and only available in one place, and that is Impress Jewelry Creations. You're not going to find it in a mall. You're not going to find it next to a grocery store somewhere around the area. You're only going to find it at Impress Jewelry Creations because they made it themselves right there at that facility. And the showroom is up front. The artisans are up or in the back, you can see the artisans when you walk into the showroom. You can wave to them. You can say hi. You can you know do whatever you want to do within reason, obviously. Be polite. They're good people. But I want you to look at this jewelry that you cannot find anywhere else in the world. And that, I believe, is going to inspire you. If you're shopping for jewelry for that special someone, that unique individual in your life, Impress Jewelry Creations is the best place in the area to get a one-of-a-kind piece for that one-of-a-kind special someone. Go to ImpressJewelers.com. You can also visit their showroom in Granger, Indiana. Please. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Well, Joe Biden is out there telling you that you need to get your fifth booster shot. Well, fifth shot for COVID. So that way we can prevent a pandemic that he says is already over. Keep in mind that uh, Walensky runs the CDC. She's got four jabs and she got COVID. And with all of the data coming out about the vaccines right now, if I were you, I wouldn't be doing it. But that's just me. It's, you know, hey, do do you. I just, I don't necessarily want um, open line phone calls going, I should have listened to you. I have a carrot root growing in my my neck now. I would prefer not to have those phone calls. The reason I bring up COVID is we've learned something brand new. This is from reclaimthenet.org. Great website, by the way, on uh, tech freedom and stuff like that. Voter analytics firm Predict Wise harvested location data from tens of millions of U.S. cell phones during the initial COVID lockdown months and used this data to assign a COVID-19 decree violation score to the people associated with the phones. Hashtag told you. Told you they were tracking you. Tried telling you. Everybody, oh, no, they're not tracking you. And I kept going, well, how can they, how can they do X, Y, and Z unless they're, they're tracking you? Of course, that doesn't ring with some people. They don't understand how technology works and that sort of stuff. These COVID-19 decree violations... Uh, violation score, excuse me, were calculated by analyzing nearly 2 billion global positioning systems pings to get real-time, ultra-granular location patterns, unquote. 
people who were on the go more often than their neighbors were given a high COVID-19 decree violation score, while those who mostly or always stayed at home were given a low COVID-19 decree violation score. Hmm. It's almost like this political analytics firm was testing a social credit score. Yeah, told you. Not only did PredictWise use this highly sensitive location data to monitor millions of Americans' compliance with COVID lockdown decrees, but it also combined this data with follow-up surveys to assign, quote, uh, quote, COVID concern scores to the people who are being surveilled. I haven't run into anything in this article that mentions, um, you know, essential personnel. Because that's going to weigh into where you're actually monitoring. Like, I was considered essential personnel. Um, other people in the media were. Certain jobs were essential personnel and others were not. So it would be interesting to see if they had any data to factor in how your score was affected by that or if they just didn't care. PredictWise then used this data to help Democrats. PredictWise then used this data to help Democrats. Hey, PredictWise then used this data to help Democrats in several swing states to target more than 350,000 COVID-concerned Republicans with COVID-related campaign ads. Oh! So it's Minority Report. Those of you who don't remember Minority Report and how the ad campaigns worked in Minority Report, you should probably go watch that movie again. Which you should anyway, because it's a good movie other than the weird dolphin thing. But other than that, you know, it's, you know, it's, or not dolphin thing, the, uh, the eye, I, was it the eyeball thing? I don't know. Whatever, the mermaid chick. So, in its white paper, PredictWise claims that Democrats were able to deploy this real-time location model to open up just over 40,000 persuasion targets that normally would have fallen off. For Mark Kelly, who was running for Senate at the time and has now been elected. So they used um, 40,000 persuasion targets to get Mark Kelly elected to the Senate. He's a Democrat. So the Democratic Party used an app to track your behavior, to track your location data, during COVID and then targeted Republicans with fear-mongering, scare-mongering COVID ads to get Republicans to vote for Democrats who aligned with being scared of COVID. That's what they did. And you wonder why some people fell so hook, line, and sinker about some of the stuff that was being said at the time. And a lot of people are like, how do people believe this? Like, the data is the exact, it just doesn't make any sense. PredictWise understood that there were potential pockets of voters to target with COVID-19 messaging and turned high-dimensional data covering over 100 million Americans into measures of adherence to COVID-19 restrictions during deep lockdowns. So, basically... They took the data, they tracked you. This political analytics firm tracked human beings in the United States. Millions of you. 
if you were a registered Republican, but it appeared from the tracking data that they were tracking you with, that you were staying home and adhering to the COVID measures, they deemed you susceptible to COVID-targeted campaigns. So then what PredictWise would do is steer Democrat advertisements towards Republicans who were already a little nervous about COVID in order to further scare them into voting for Democrats by painting Republicans as not caring about COVID, which is what they did with Trump, by the way. They gaslit and lied about Trump the entire time. They've even taken credit for getting Mark Kelly elected. PredictWise doesn't provide the exact dates when this location data was collected, but its white paper does note does note that the data was collected during COVID lockdowns and used during Senator Kelly's 2020 election campaign. State-level U.S. lockdowns began on March 15, 2020, and Kelly was elected on November 4th of 2020, so the data appears to have been collected during the first few months of, his, of this 11-month period. Location data and survey data are just two of the many types of data PredictWise claims to have access to. According to its white paper, PredictWise also tracks, quote, telemetry data, which is passively sourced cell phone data, media consumption data, and unregistered voter data, which contains verified data on over 50 million unregistered voters that is updated every day and sourced from credit files and portal registration data. You still think you're not in a surveillance state. You still one of those people that's like, I don't care if they spy on me. I haven't done anything wrong. To which I always have to remind you, neither did the Jews. Additionally, PredictWise claims that Crate and Barrel, which seems to be a reference to the online furniture and home decor shopping portal, Crate and Barrel, is one of the portal registration data sources that it has access to. Hey, if you're a Crate and Barrel customer, maybe you want to have some conversations with them about that. Hey, Crate and Barrel, why are you giving my data over to the Democratic Party? Huh? What's that about? Now, this is what happens... When you go somewhere and you sign up for something, right? Let's just say a rewards card for a store, right? So a store is like, oh, you'll get lower prices if you sign up for a rewards card. Well, why do you need me to sign up for the rewards card? Oh, so we can send you special deals. Why would they do that? Ask yourself this question. Why would a grocery store or any other store want you to pay less money at their store? What is the real reason that they're signing you up for a rewards card? Because you're signing your data over and on that little document, you're giving them permission to sell that data to somebody else. Well, they're selling it. If you're a crate and barrel customer, they're selling it to predict wise in the Democratic Party to use in targeted campaigns. Dope. In total, predict wise says its data tracks the opinions, attitudes and behaviors of over 200 And 60 million Americans. So that is 78% of the country, and that's pretty much every adult. So PredictWise is tracking everybody. 
What did Maxine Waters say about Obama again? He's building a database on everybody. That's what she said, right? Obama's building a database on everybody. And PredictWise, who works for the Democratic Party, has a database on almost everybody. PredictWise uses the data it collects to create scores on 13 issue preference clusters and seven value frame or psychometric clusters. These clusters use more than 30 million behavioral data points. PredictWise also claims to be able to use this data to predict the party of unregistered voters. This massive surveillance of location data and lockdown compliance is just one of the many examples of the large-scale data harvesting that occurred during the pandemic. Private companies tracked the everyday activities of citizens, pushed remote learning surveillance technologies, increased surveillance in the workplace, and more. Meanwhile, governments ushered in numerous forms of surveillance, such as forcing citizens to wear ankle bracelet trackers, secretly surveying vaccine recipients via their phones, and combining vaccine passports with digital IDs. The social credit score is coming. By the way, the new prime minister of England, one of the big criticisms on him, even though he's on the conservative side, one of the big criticisms on him is that he wants a a Chinese-style social credit score in, in England. Don't think for a second they're not trying to put one here in the United States. Right now, it's just being used to target you for political stuff. Make no mistake, a political party like the Democrats who've already turned the institutions of government against their political opponents will one day turn this tool against you as well. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. Hey, you know... um, Now that the U.K. is probably going to get a Chinese-style social credit score, you probably don't want to visit the U.K., right? You certainly don't want to live there. Did you know that our special guest for noise is actually banned in the U.K.? Lauren Southern was outlawed in the U.K. She was kicked out of the country and basically given a no-trespass order for the entire country. Why? Because she she did a a gaze for, for Muhammad. Parade, which is now an annual event in London, and it is actually being put on as a inclusive, like LGBT thing. But when she did it, it was considered uh, white supremacy and all sorts of other stuff. And so it's, it's pretty interesting. She actually got banned from the UK, and she's our special guest for Noise, November nineteenth at the Lerner Theater in Elkhart. Get your tickets today, ninety five three mnc dot com, or you can go to thelearner dot com. It is amazing to me that the left keeps saying stuff like this and everything they believe contradicts another one of their beliefs. Casey's rule number two. Mohammed Safa, who's like with the UN, okay? If they make abortion illegal, listen very carefully to this. If they make abortion illegal, they should make men deserting women who they got pregnant illegal as well. Because if a woman can't back out of a pregnancy, a man shouldn't be able to back out either. What do we usually call that, Alyssa? 
what do we usually call it when you have a, a relationship, then a baby comes, and then nobody goes away? They stay together. What does that usually end up looking like? She's holding up a ring finger. Like a marriage, right? Hey, look at that. Left-wing idiots are discovering marriage again. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Now, what Muhammad Safa is not understanding is that uh, those terms are acceptable. The problem is that those terms right now are only one-dimensional. In other words, if you make abortion, you know, abortion's obviously not illegal, but the father has no say whatsoever in the life of that child. The father has no rights in the United States of America when it comes to that child, yet is supposed to be financially responsible for the child, even though he has no say. Even if he wants to take the child, but she's got to give birth to the child and sign over her rights, he's not allowed to force her to do that because she is not required to accept responsibility for what she did. But he is required to accept responsibility for what he did. That's the double standard. But at the end of the day, the terms are still the terms. We accept your terms. Okay? Go ahead. Ban abortion. Make it illegal for a father to uh, to flee their kid, which generally it is now anyway. Uh, at least monetarily, you can get damages for that. And uh, the terms are acceptable. But, you know, this used to be just called, like, having a relationship and building a family and all of that stuff. That's... It's so funny watching left-wing people be like, well, if you can't abort anybody, then I guess you're just going to have to get married and stuff and raise the kid. Yes. Kind of the idea. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. Did Susan Sarandon go ultra-maga? Not mega, maga. Like... Make America Great Again, MAGA. This is really interesting. This is a very interesting post. Now, Susan Sarandon doesn't really like Democrats all that much. She is on the left politically, um, but not what I would call an AOC leftist, per se. But she's still a lefty. And on some issues, she's very left. But Susan Sarandon posted something on Twitter, which has caused a bit of a stir. And... The title of my live stream today, Susan Sarandon goes ultra MAGA, has a lot lot of people being like, ah, it's impossible. What are you doing? Clickbaity. In fact, somebody just hopped on and said, has he talked about Sarandon yet? No, not yet. Coming now. But first, I got to tell you about R&B Car Company. Locations in South Bend, Warsaw, Columbia City. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. So what did Susan Sarandon post? She posted a meme. It didn't start with gas chambers. It started with one party controlling the media, one party controlling the message, one party deciding what is truth, one party censoring speech and silencing opposition, one party dividing citizens into U.S. or us and them and calling on their supporters to harass them. It started when good people turned a blind eye and let it happen. So essentially what Susan Sarandon did, it'll be interesting to see if she ever works in Hollywood again, is Susan Sarandon did exactly what Gina Carano did. Of course, Gina Carano was 
fired from Disney and The Mandalorian, even though she was one of the beloved characters and was slated to have her own show based after that character. But she was fired because she basically posted a meme about this on how the Nazis didn't start with gas chambers. They turned neighbors against neighbors. They called her anti-Semitic for posting that factual truth. Susan Sarandon is correct. Now, I don't know what Susan Sarandon is thinking here. For all we know, Susan Sarandon thinks that Republicans are the ones doing this, in which case she would be deranged. But I find find this very interesting. And the discussion that has been happening underneath her her post on Twitter has been also very enlightening and very very interesting. It's got 41,000 retweets right now. It's been quoted almost 3,900 times. It's got 169,000 plus likes. But Viva Frey, who is, um, I think he does legal stuff. He's now exclusively on Rumble, I think. Uh, but he, he posted underneath it. He goes, Susan Sarandon has gone ultra MAGA. And here's why he said that. And why I repeated it on the title of the live stream. According to the left, remember the left sets the rules. According to the left, merely posting something like this means you're an extremist. If you're on the political right and you post something like this, you're an extremist. How do we know that? Because Gina Carano did it. Gina Carano is politically center-right. If you listen to her talk, she really doesn't identify with either side. But the things that she says tends to be moderate right. Okay, So she's where most of America is politically. So she posted that, but because she posted that, she was an extremist. She was ultra MAGA, right? Susan Sarandon just did it. So Viva Frey is like, hey, Susan Sarandon's ultra MAGA now. According to the rules of the left, is Susan Sarandon, you know, ultra MAGA? No, not even close, politically speaking. But it is interesting. Somebody just said that she's having a Kanye moment. I... <laughs> Look, it took a long time for Kanye to start coming around, and he's still, you know, look, he's he's still dealing with his bipolar, and so he still occasionally has episodes, and you have to acknowledge that. That is a condition that cannot always be controlled with medication. So he does occasionally have an outburst that is unreasonable, but he has an illness. When he's lucid, though, He's, he seems to understand what is happening, for the most part. He's a very changed man for who he used to be. You know, he's not do- jumping on stage and interrupting Taylor Swift. By the way, they became good friends after that. He got her permission to write about her in one of his songs. He actually called her. He recorded the phone call. This is a true story. He recorded the phone call. And he read the lyrics to Taylor Swift because they were um, less than polite, okay? But they were friends at that time, and, and it was it was a part of his, his music. And he was like, hey, I just want you to know that this is going to be in a song, and I want to run this by you and make sure it's okay. And she says, thank you for letting me know. And she goes, I think it sounds great. Go with it. And then she publicly attacked him for the lyrics in that song that she approved on that phone call. So he released the call. 
Taylor Swift is a liar. But it took him a while to kind of wake up. There's a lot of people on the the Democrat side of the aisle. Tulsi Gabbard is one of them who are like, eh, this is not this is not what the Democratic Party is supposed to be about. This is not what America is about. And it's possible that Susan Sarandon is looking at this and going, this is not what we're supposed to be. Maybe Susan Sarandon is on the political left and she's like, Elon Musk is on the political right and he's taking over Twitter and this is her response to that. I don't know. So I felt that it was important that, you know, the people underneath that particular post were highlighting that everything you've just said in this is exactly what the Democratic Party is doing. Because it's true. That's exactly what the Democratic Party is doing. Now, as a matter of history, her post is accurate. Whom she's applying it to, she doesn't say. But it is crystal clear to anybody who is paying attention that that is the modern Democratic Party that she is referring to. So I do find that very interesting. But again, if you post things like this, you're considered ultra MAGA by hardcore leftists. And as a result, Viva Frey mentioned that she was she's gone ultra MAGA, which is why I, I, told, I took the, uh, the, the word and used it in my thing there. Now, there's a lot of very famous people that are responding to this. Five Times August, who has that amazing song, Sad Little Man. They've got a lot of other great music, don't get me wrong, but Sad Little Man is what turned me on to them. And they actually said, hi, Susan, when you have a moment, maybe take a skim through this thread and see how it relates to your post. And it was a thread that Five Times August put up on August 13th of 2021. And it was all of these doctors and all of these nurses praying for Republicans and Trump supporters to die. So that way they wouldn't be around to vote. True story. We highlighted a lot of this. But there's a whole thread of it. An entire thread of death wishes for Republicans, Trump supporters, and everything else. Why? To win elections. I ran into another article today, and I'm going to share it with you coming up. And then I have another story which is related to it, which is very tragic, that I will also share with you. But it is quite interesting when you take a look at some of the things that have been happening over the last several years and and some of the stuff that's been going on and how it's being covered. And it's just, it's really, it is Orwellian. I don't know how else to describe it. It's very Orwellian. But there was an article here on how the left, the, basically Democrat, here's the title, Democrat hypocrisy, hypocrisy over violence against Republicans is part of the reason why they lose. We'll go over that next. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Now, the weather is changing, folks. you got to make sure that your vehicle is in tip-top shape for those winter months. You don't want to get stranded in the cold and the snow, and you don't make sure that uh, your vehicle starts up every time you need it to start up. So, Get it over to Jason's Automotive and get a routine service, get it winterized, get all that taken care of at Jason's Automotive, you know, full inspections, all of that stuff. And if you do have any repairs that need to be made, get them made, get them not made, get them done now at Jason's Automotive. Their website is jasonautotruckrepair.com. That's Jason with a Y, jasonautotruckrepair.com. Or you can visit their their uh, their shop, I guess. I was going to say dealership location, but then they don't do that. 
Their shop is at 26771 Main Street in Edwardsburg, Michigan. They serve all of Michiana. And again, they got Napa parts there too. So nationwide peace of mind warranty right there with Napa parts over at Jason's Automotive. So if you have anything, whether it's routine inspection, maintenance, or a major repair, go to Jason's Automotive Main Street in Edwardsburg. Please let them know that I sent you. All right, let's uh, take a look at this article from Jennifer Oliver O'Connell. Democrat hypocrisy over violence against Republicans is part of the reason why they'll lose. Okay. Managing editor Jennifer Van Law reported on the recent attack in Florida of a Rubio canvasser wearing the senator's branded T-shirt and a DeSantis hat. We will talk about that here in a minute. It is a sobering reminder that even in a red state like Florida, Democrats who feel threatened over what will be significant losses over the, after the, midterm, uh, the November midterms are resorting to violence to express their frustrations. Then again, Democrats have been resorting to violence for a lot of years now. We are now 15 days from November 8th midterms, and in many states, early voting has already started. The polling, as well as the voting tallies, are not leaning in the Democrats' favor. If early voting breaks for Republicans, by the way, that is a massive problem for Democrats because early voting always favors Democrats. They know that they are going to lose and they need to deflect blame and cry threats to democracy as much as possible before then. They are even trotting out the tired line about Republicans taking away Medicare and Social Security. I cast my first vote at 18 and am now just shy of 60 years old. For 42 years during every midterm, and presidential election cycle, I have heard some variation of this ridiculous lie. And this is I say this a lot to you, the audience, but even in my personal life, you know, with people I know who are just perpetually saying this every election cycle, I'll just look at them and I'm like, hey, you know, has any Republican not been a neo-Nazi? Because every single one of them is accused of being a neo-Nazi. And I've told you before, there's always going to be a very specific list of things that Republicans will be accused of. They're going to be accused of being racist. They're going to be accused of being sexist. And they are going to be accused of cheating on their taxes. And they will be accused of some sexual impropriety, whether that is an extramarital affair or some weird fetish. Doesn't matter what it is, that will happen every single time in a major race. Without fail. You know, George W. Bush was literally Hitler. John McCain, who was loved by the media, became literally Hitler and then was loved by the media again after he lost. Donald Trump, literally Hitler. Bob Dole, literally Hitler. We can play this game all day long. It's always the same thing. Without Romney, literally Hitler. The Democrats are truly desperate, and that desperation is leading to acting out in destructive ways. While legacy media and Democrats wanted Republican candidates and Republican voters to be precipitators of violence... Uh, We are not taking the bait. The majority of the Republican candidates have been miraculously on point, on message, and more importantly, on the offensive. Hashtag go on offense. Finally, they're starting to listen to me. In getting their message to the voters and pointing out the destructiveness of the Democrat agenda. By the way, it brings me joy that I see so many people on social media on the political right going, go on offense. They don't know where it started, but it started right here on this show decades ago. Who is taking the bait of their leaders, Democrat and leftist voters? If they cannot keep the House, then they'll burn the House down and take lives with them. 
The language by Democrat elected officials, including the person currently occupying the White House, is only ratcheting up their insecurity, anger, and unrest. Yet, these same officials are radio silent when acts of violence are perpetrated against Republican officials and candidates or those perceived to be aligned with the right. So here's a small rundown of politically fueled attacks over the past few months. Shannon Brandt was arrested for using his car to run over and ultimately kill an 18-year-old, Kyler Ellingson, because he believed Ellingson was a part of a Republican extremist group. I don't even think Biden ever addressed that. A pro-life elderly woman was canvassing for the cause of Michigan uh, in Michigan when she was shot in the back. New York governor candidate Lee Zeldin was attacked while speaking at a campaign event by a man wielding a bladed instrument. The calls for violence by Democrats gained full steam with the leak of the draft opinion in the Dobbs decision. Once the final decision on Dobbs was confirmed and Roe v. Wade was overturned, the Democrats on the left, but I repeat myself, blew the lid off any constraints of how they felt about MAGA or extremist Republicans. By the way, did you know uh, there's a bunch of... um, man-on-the-street things that happened here not that long ago where they were going around and they were asking people, and even some members of the media got asked this, about the riots that happened on Inauguration Day when Trump was inaugurated. Alyssa, do you remember the media coverage of the riots when Trump was inaugurated, burning down of cities and stuff like that? Do you remember that when Trump was inaugurated? She remembers. Almost nobody else does because they didn't cover it. They didn't cover it. They pretended that it didn't happen. But it did. I've played you, I think I got a rotation of three montages of Democrats openly supporting, excusing, or calling for violence. Members of the media I'm including in that. And the fact that Democrats and the left, they never say that it's wrong when the target is a Republican. Tells you all you need to know. So this Rubio canvasser, a man was canvassing for Senator Marco Rubio in Florida. He was in the Miami area, and he was attacked Sunday night. Now, according to Marco Rubio, who sent a tweet out, which was accompanied by pictures of the the guy who was severely beaten. Uh, I think he was attacked by four or five people. Uh, he's got a he's got internal bleeding. He's got a broken jaw, concussion. Uh, he's going to require facial reconstructive surgery. And you know he was just out there canvassing. So he had a DeSantis hat on and he had a Rubio shirt on, and he was he was basically told uh, that Republicans are not welcome in that neighborhood, and he was beaten. That's all that happened. Simply for canvassing. Didn't do anything else. Nothing whatsoever. So now, just hours later, ABC's Miami affiliate ran a story headlined, Alea Police, no indication of political motive and attack on Rubio canvasser. They literally said Republicans don't belong in this neighborhood, according to witnesses. What do you mean there's no evidence of this being politically motivated? So while the headline said, according to the police, no indication of political motive in attack on Rubio canvasser, the rest of the police spokesman's statement said, quote, at this time, and although the initial report is only about two paragraphs long, indicating that full statements have not been given. 
So the ABC Miami affiliates headline is the police say that there's no indication of a political motive in the attack. However, the full statement says at this time, basically the police are saying, look, we're not done yet. We're not going to make any conclusions. And although the police did not identify the victim, ABC got right into investigative mode and doxed him, then linked him to an alleged white supremacist group. True story. This white supremacist is apparently named Javier Lopez. There's um, there's a lot of Hispanic white supremacists out there, folks. So the story goes out there. And... <laughs> oh, Javier Lopez is the guy who attacked him. My apologies. I misread that. But they go out there and they dox this guy. They tell you who he is. They tell you where he lives. They then accuse him of being a white supremacist. First of all, if he was a white supremacist, and there's no indication that he is a white supremacist, but if he was a white supremacist, why would he be supporting two people who are not white? That would be a question that I would ask. But the other thing is, and he doesn't, he doesn't appear to be white, by the way. Um, the other thing is that why, why would that matter? He was beaten because of who he was and the shirts that he was wearing. The hat that he was wearing, the shirt that he was wearing. And ABC's just, hey, we're going to dox this guy. We're going to tell everybody who he is. Shameful stuff. Absolutely shameful. MSC News Time is 431. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. You know that just that Fox report here on, oh, the gunman at the show has an AR-15 style rifle. Okay, that doesn't mean anything. But beyond that, you do, do you know how many security guards they had at that school? Seven. How many of those security guards were armed? Zero. Which is why none of the security guards engaged the gunman in the, uh, the shooting continued until police got there and ended his life. How things could have been different if there were seven guns against one. What good is having seven security guards? You don't have them armed with anything. What's the point of even having them? It, It doesn't make any sense. But so goes the world that we live, right? Okay. Um, what else do we have here? This story in Florida, it's, it's got me irritated. It's got me upset. Um, I went through the ABC Miami affiliates story about him, and, you know, they're accusing him of being arrested at some protest uh, against taking down Confederate statues and stuff like that. They don't mention if he was convicted of anything. Um, and there's a lot of people who are not racist who don't want those statues taken down. There's a lot of historians who are against the South and their struggle in the Civil War who don't want the statues taken down. They just want context. And, you know, we've been over the history of all of this stuff, I know, many, many times. So, you know, just because you don't want the statues to come down doesn't mean you automatically support the South. That's a stupid and intellectually deficient position to have. But unfortunately, that's the default for a lot of folks. Those are the same people who, by the way, want Lincoln's statue taken down. So they don't want any Southern statues up, and they don't want Lincoln statue to be up either. 
One of the so-called heroes from January 6th, one of the Capitol Police officers, um, this is a guy who I exposed as straight-up lying in his testimony. Straight-up lying. Multiple times. Michael, is it Fanoni? I think it is. Michael Fanoni. He lied. He decorated his uniform in a way that was not department policy when he gave his testimony that first time that he gave his testimony in order to make it seem like officers had died and stuff like that on January 6th. No officers died on January 6th. It's important that everybody understands that because that's the new narrative. In fact, I'm going to get into something here in just a minute with Nicole Wallace and MSNBC about that very same thing. But this um, this guy, he's, he's a Democrat activist, by the way. He's happened to be a, a police officer, okay? And he's one of those being held up as a hero of January 6th. And he's, he's, not, he's not a hero. It, and I don't think that he's even a patriot. I think that he's lying scum, as I've said before. I don't hold that opinion of everybody on January 6th, just him particularly. Well, him and one other guy. They are demonstrable pathological liars. And they lied about a lot of the events that they claimed they witnessed and saw and participated in on that day, and that was all exposed. So anyway, come to find out that Mr. Fanoni is a racist. Hmm. Again, the left sets the rules, folks. Former Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police Officer Michael Fanoni gained massive notoriety as post-January 6th events unfolded for his 30-minute struggle at the Capitol building. He got a book deal, several interviews, a mainstream media, and uh, in several interviews in mainstream media, and a gig as a CNN contributor. What most people don't know about him is that he illegally stopped and frisked a black attorney, causing the city to pay out $175,000 to the victim. Maddox was a U.S. Air Force veteran, was minding his own business, standing on the corner of 5th and K Street when two officers confronted him. According to American Greatness, Maddox sensed the presence of two individuals assuming aggressive positions when he was suddenly and without warning cornered and seized by Modine while defendant officer Michael Finone blocked Maddox's only other means of escape. That's according to the lawyer in a 2010 complaint. Modine shoved Maddox against a garbage dumpster and forced his arms over his head so Fanoni could interrogate him. According to his representation, Maddox's only crime was standing while black. During his deposition in 2013, Fanoni de- denied frisking Maddox. He also claimed that he didn't remember telling Maddox to put his camera away until he watched the cell phone video showing the confrontation. So he said, I didn't tell him to put his camera away. And then, of course, the cell phone footage of the man who is being accosted was played in court, and, of course, he told him to put the camera away. Maddox sought $3 million in damages for Fanoni and Modine using their personal prejudice, bias, and stereotypes, generalizations, and profiles to harass him. The suit was later settled in 2014 with the city handing out $175,000 to the victim. Huh. Now, remember, this is a guy who got caught lying about what he says he witnessed on January 6th. This is a guy who went into those hearings falsifying his uniform to convey a false narrative and told more lies, continued to tell lies in interview after interview after interview. And then, of course, 
we have a history of him being a racist police officer. Now, remember, the rules are set by the left. According to the left in this country, any police officer who does a stop and frisk of any black man for any reason is a white supremacist and is undeserving of the badge. So why is it? Why is it that this guy is suddenly deserving? There's been a lot of hay made about his tattoos and, um, you know, possibly being gang tattoos and things like that. Uh, Maybe. I haven't really dove into that. That doesn't mean much. There's a lot of police officers who are ex-gang members. That is something that does happen. So this guy, according to leftist orthodoxy, is a white supremacist. Hmm. Okay. So, Nicole Wallace had something interesting happen. We're going to get into that in a little bit um, when it comes to the election thing. I want to get into this MSNBC panel, though. Nicole Wallace is on MSNBC, but it's not the thing that I'm interested in actually playing for you. Uh, Go ahead and cue my audio, please, Alyssa. I want you to hear this. This is an MSNBC focus group. And I want you to listen to this, this exchange, okay? And I want you to also listen to what MSNBC's personality, who's the personality here? Um, I don't think they say who it is. I don't know who she is. Yeah, it's she's just listed as reporter. Nobody knows who this lady is. Anyway, listen to this. Mastriano was at the insurrection, and he was photographed breaching one of the restricted areas. Is that okay? Which area? Because I saw a video where Capitol officers yes. were taking away barriers and unlocking doors, doors of people. So, yeah. I mean, I... And that all happened. There were areas where they broke in, but there were areas where the officers invited them in and let them in. You can cue up the audio. Just keep it queued up. Fine for an elected official no, no, no. if they participated in January 6th. He didn't, he didn't strike anybody? He didn't hurt anybody? Yeah. And the only it's one that died him. was a protester there, not a Capitol Police An unarmed officer. female veteran. Which That's the only one that died. That's well, the only one who died. A police officer did die. No. No. This is a reporter for MSNBC. Okay? This is a reporter for MSNBC looking at this panel. When somebody on the panel goes, the only person who died that day was an unarmed veteran. And at the time, from what we know, that was true. Now we think that two additional people died because of police actions that day. But at the time, the only one that was directly killed was an unarmed police veteran who is trying to stop the breach of the Capitol, by the way. And the MSNBC reporter goes, no, 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 but a police officer did die. Not from January 6th. The police officer did not die from January 6th. And the original lie that was being used, that he was hit over the head with a fire extinguisher, and that's what killed him. Not what happened. He had a medical issue. And he died after January 6th, not from January 6th and not at January 6th. But you still, to this day, this just happened yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. MSNBC is telling people that a police officer was killed on January 6th. Biden is telling you five of them were killed on January 6th. None of them were killed on January 6th. Which is why when Michael Finoni went in there to give his testimony, he had that little black stripe on his badge 
which, by the way, would have been out of uniform had somebody died in the department because the, the time period that you are allowed to have that had passed dramatically. But no officer was killed as a result of January 6th. There's been no connection established in any officer who may have died after January 6th to January 6th. There's no connection that's ever been made. Yeah, you have a reporter for MSNBC out there telling this panel of people, no, an officer did die. No, they didn't. Oh, it was a a stroke. That's not... That's not, not on site. Caused by that, that's because right. he shouldn't have been a police officer. It was one woman. So, what do you make though overall of January sixth? I mean, it was watching that footage. It was pretty disturbing. I mean, there were people throwing excrement at the walls, and it was our, you know, it's the Capitol. That it looked a true. lot like Antifa's actions. Yeah, it looked a lot, of, except on a much smaller scale. It looked the same as the Black Lives Matter riots. That's it's what I saw. The similarities to being Minneapolis burns, Kenosha burns. But so it's okay Lockershaw just because burns. just because I, one side that you no, disagree with. I'm saying okay Antifa for, infiltrated. It's good for one, it's good for the other. Anybody I don't who harms anybody, anybody who caused property destruction, that needs to be dealt with. Yeah, but if you're there making side. your voice heard at the right. people's house, no less. Yeah. That, I, that's again, it's a fundamental constitutional right of an American citizen. And people should not be being held political prisoner uh, because of it. There's an additional minute of them just torching this reporter. Just torching her. You know, it's interesting that she's like, oh, so it's okay for them to do this on January 6th, but because it was okay with the other side? And, you know, the point is, is that, no, the media said it was okay for BLM and Antifa to riot. The media said it was okay that Antifa, who actually carried out an armed insurrection in Seattle and in Portland, they said it was okay that they did that. An actual armed insurrection, which involved government buildings, including federal buildings, by the way, because there was always that thing, well, this is different because this is a federal building. Okay, well, it was a federal courthouse in Portland. So that's a federal building. Ah, it's just different because it's the Capitol. Okay, well, the Capitol has been occupied by protesters who have breached the Capitol and taken possession of places in the Capitol many times throughout the Capitol's history. And the people who have done it in the past were charged with simple charges and they were released mostly on their own recognizance and they faced a minor, minor crime. You've got people who did the same thing on January 6th with no evidence whatsoever that they engaged in any violence or fisticuffs or property damage and they are you know they were held for over a year without even being charged you realize the charge that most of these people are being convicted on right now is parading true parading that is the charge not insurrection not terrorism not vandalism not not uh you know any any form of assault or anything like that they're being convicted of parading This is the point that, of course, they're trying to make to this reporter. Her own hypocrisy, because her own network excused BLM and Antifa violence. And now she's saying, how can you guys excuse January 6th because other people did it? Well, you excuse them, and yet you're criticizing January 6th. You're the hypocrite. And they all made it very clear. Anybody who engaged in any actual illegal activity needs to be dealt with. But people are just there peacefully protesting and didn't do anything. They shouldn't be held without without charge and without trial. It's, it's unconstitutional.
It's a violation of your civil rights. Now, the other thing that I would like to point out, and I shared this the other day on social media, and I'll probably share it again. I might even put it in the Daily Show prep today if I can find it real easily. You know, there's video of one of the first people to be damaging a window. And this person is just sitting there banging on the window and cracking the window. And what you see is all of these Trump supporters booing that person and yelling Antifa, Antifa, Antifa. And then you see a Trump supporter as they're looking at the cops and they're going, stop her. It was a woman, by the way. Stop her. Stop her. Stop her. And the police didn't do anything. So eventually it was a Trump supporter who actually, I I did a gesture thing with my hand again on the camera. Sorry, live stream. Um, Eventually what ended up happening is a Trump supporter went up to this person and tackled them and got them away from the window. And the main breach of the Capitol happened right after Ray Epps, who we believe is an FBI asset, walked up to another person and whispered in his ear. And then all of a sudden they started yelling to break into the Capitol. And and that's what happened. I'm not excusing people's behavior here, but I want to know who started it. And right now, the evidence of who started the the actual breaching of the Capitol with violence and with property damage appear to be at least in part Antifa elements and federal agents and or assets. Now, they may not be all of them, but we do have a lot of evidence of the first two instances of anything like that happening, not being tied to any actual Trump supporters, but being tied to Antifa and being tied to Ray Epps, who most people believe is an FBI asset. So you can take with it what you want. Again, doesn't excuse anybody else's behavior. But as I've said before, the whole thing was very surreal because you watch some of the people who went into the Capitol cleaning up after everybody else. Very strange. You got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener specials. Just scroll down. So you go to MyPillow.com. You see Mike Lindell hugging a pillow. You scroll down like three lines below that. You'll see the radio listener specials. Click on that. Run through there. Anything you want in that category, including the up to 90% off overstock sale, you get on sale with my promo code. And the promo code is Casey. So you got clothing, which includes, you know, all sorts of clothes, including pajamas and that sort of stuff. You got uh, body pillows with a case. You've got uh, pillowcases and towels and sheets and bath mats and washcloths and quilts and blankets and all sorts of stuff. Oh, my. All of that is available on the overstock sale. But you got your standard my pillow. You got your slippers and and, uh, towels and, and the mattress. I recommend the mattress topper. I had another mattress topper. The dog, when he was a puppy, chewed it up and ate it. Uh, the mattress topper we got from, uh, we replaced that with the one from my pillow, and it has been great. I absolutely love the mattress topper. Three inches, uh, and you can save 40% on the my pillow mattress topper right now with promo code Casey. Uh, down blankets, for those of you who like the down blankets, those cold winter months. Uh, they also have gossamer blankets and others, quilts and everything else. All of that at mypillow.com. Use promo code Casey to get those special deals. 
Uh, let's see here. I'm going to go in in the 5 o'clock hour. I'm going to save this Nicole Wallace uh, bit for the 5, five o'clock hour because I need to tie it to an additional, an additional story. Because the Democrats are going out there once again, and they are telling you that our elections are rigged and that the next election is going to be stolen. I, I'm sorry, but they, they told everybody that you're not allowed to say that stuff, right? So, again, they're allowed to do it. You're not allowed to do it. And they never really have any evidence to prove their side. You have tons of evidence to prove your side. But this last little bit that we were talking about here, you know, you've got you've got this reporter sitting there and talking to these voters, and these voters are basically shooting down every point that she's making. And for her to go on there and say, well, a police officer did die. No, a police officer did not die on January 6th. A police officer did not die from January 6th. Period. That lie needs to stop. But when you have the news media constantly out there spreading that lie, there are people out there who do not know. There are still people out there who do not know that police officers invited people in in some parts of the Capitol and that they didn't breach the Capitol and there was no violence. They don't know that because all they saw was the other images from the other areas where there was violence. And there was. And those people need to be prosecuted. But they also need to be prosecuted within reason and within constitutional limits. And that hasn't been happening. we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Got to tell you about Z-Bar to South Bend. You go to Z-Bar to South Bend and uh, winter weather is coming. So you want to make sure that you get the, the uh, well, basically the rust proofing done in your vehicle. So you want to make sure that chassis is taken care of so it doesn't corrode and rust and, you know, snap in half on you down the road. Like I had a vehicle do. Not fun. Not fun at all. Make sure you go to Z-Bar to South Bend, get that taken care of. You'll never have to worry about that rust building up underneath your vehicle so long as you maintain that undercoating, and they are able to do that. If you've never had the undercoating done before and you know you got some rust down there, don't worry. Z-Bar to South Bend, they know how to fix that. They can fix that. They can seal that. They can take care of it. There are chemicals that actually turn rust into a protectant of sorts anyway. Go check them out. Z-Bar to South Bend. Get the ceramic Z-Gloss paint coating. Get an interior detail. Get your windows tinted too, especially the windshield. And protect your eyes from those harmful UVs that come off of snow and ice and cause snow blindness. Go to Zbart of South Bend. Let them know that I sent you. All right, what do we have here? Uh, let's uh, cue my audio, please. I'm going to go ahead and play you something. I'm going to apologize in advance. You're going to hear Hillary Clinton's voice. Okay, but not for long. I promise, not for long. Hello, Indivisibles. I'm here to highlight something that <laughs> is keeping me up at night. And I know this group really understands what I'm about to say. I know we're all focused on the 2022 midterm elections, and they are incredibly important. But we also have to look ahead, because you know what? Our opponents certainly are. Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. Okay, cool. So there's Hillary Clinton telling you that Republicans, who are extremists, of course, because they have to be dehumanized, are stealing the election. And that the people watching her certainly know a lot about this topic because her election was stolen. This is actually what 
Senator Ted Cruz did when he went into The View and just basically throat-punched all of the harpies of The View and pointed out, you know, it's interesting. Hillary Clinton's still running around saying the election was stolen. None of you seem to care about that. Obviously called and conceded on the night of the election. Yeah, when she was sauced and drunk and then immediately recanted the next day and she has maintained that the election was stolen from her every day since. She even called for an investigation. You don't remember that? And here she is yesterday. Hey, the next election is going to be stolen. It's just going to be stolen. You know what? That video is still on social media. It hasn't been taken down for misinformation. There's no evidence. No, no evidence at all. You realize the news media is running articles because there is a, there's a candidate, Republican candidate, in uh, I think it's Arizona. And they are saying that uh, they think that they're being set up to have their election stolen from them. And the news media is like, oh, they're already saying it's stolen from them. You know, they're running articles attacking that Republican candidate while running these articles saying that the the election is going to be stolen. Now, Hillary's specifically talking about the presidential election. And she's saying that, oh, Republican extremists have a plan to steal the election. There's no evidence of this. Here's Nicole Wallace, MSNBC. Listen to what she has to say. But if you read through the papers this weekend, the threats to our elections in, what, two and a half weeks are so pervasive and they're so dire and they include violence. I mean, do you think it's time to ask for friends and allies to come over and help us monitor our elections? We used to do that in other burgeoning. Okay. So now you've got MSNBC. So you got Hillary Clinton being promoted by tons of news outlets, but then you've got MSNBC, you got one of their anchors specifically going, our elections are not secure. We probably need foreign powers to come in here and help monitor our elections. Foreign powers like who? Like France? Who bans mail-in ballots? Maybe Iraq. Iraq can come in here and Monitor our elections, too. They could probably bring the novel idea of dipping your finger in ink so you can't go to multiple polling locations and vote. How about that? Actually, you know what? This might not be a bad idea. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be some funny stuff if you go out there and France comes in and France helps monitor our elections and France is like, ah, chocolat bleu, you can't allow mailing ballots, they're fraudulent. Wouldn't that be great? And watch the, the Democrats just lose their damn minds. The Democrats out there and the news media right now are doing the things that they claim are unpatriotic and extremist. But, of course, they're allowed to do it. You're not. That's what Ted Cruz is pointing out in The View. I don't need to play any clips of The View because, frankly, the memes are hysterical. Did you see they actually recreated the the little cat meme with the lady yelling and pointing her finger and the cat just laughing? They've recreated that. Um, because he had those moments. He would hit them with a fact, and then they would just have a conniption fit, like a convulsive butt vomit just comes out of their mouth. They don't really know what to do. They can't sit still. And he would just sit there and laugh hysterically. I mean, he owned them. He owned them. They're not even wise enough to know that Ted Cruz ran circles around them on The View. They don't 
even comprehend that they got their butts handed to them. They think that they dominated that discussion. It's hysterical. But he owned them. And he owned them with saying things like, hey, you know, you guys are still running around saying that that election was stolen. You're still saying the 2000 election was stolen. You're still saying Stacey Abrams um, had her election stolen. You're still saying all of this. Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary right now, denied the last election. She was asked about it. She did a little tap dance around it. Proof is right there on Twitter where she denied the election. They tell you that you're not patriotic, you're un-American, you're an extremist if you hold those values. Oh, but they have it for every other election. Every single Republican, this is what, you know, we pointed this out too because they were like, these Republicans are, they're demanding that the election not be certified. This is unprecedented. It's not unprecedented. Every single Republican who's won the presidency has had Democrats challenge the legitimacy of the election and demand that states not be certified. Every single one of them. Going back, I don't remember how far back it went. It went back like 1960s or some crap like that. But It's ridiculous. Casey's rule number one. Everything the left accuses the right of doing, they themselves are doing. Oh, the right are election deniers. The left has been election deniers consistently since 2000. Went back before then, but consistently since 2000. So it's 22 years of unadulterated, unfettered election denial by the left in this country. But that's allowed. That's allowed. The one time that Republicans look at this and go, hey, you know, when you illegally change the election rules to allow ballots that aren't valid to be counted towards the election results and then sways the election one way, We think that might be problematic. Oh, you're an election denier. Hey, we have uh, we have a clerk here who walked into a, you know, an absentee ballot room and threw what appeared to be ballots in the trash and then covered them up with other trash. So you didn't see what trash he threw away. And then they said that the room was empty and there's no ballots in there. But then 10 minutes after she did that, somebody came and took six or some uh, somewhat boxes of a ballots out of the room that they said was empty and there's no ballots in. So that was clearly a lie. Hey, that's a little fishy, don't you think? Oh, you're an election denier. That's no different than than the uh, January 6th nonsense. Oh, okay. Hmm. It's kind of weird how this keeps coming up, don't you think? And what's amazing to me is that this stuff is still allowed on social media. None of those posts get flagged with a warning. None of those accounts get suspended. None of those posts get taken down or deleted. Yours do. Me showing video of the clerk going into the absentee ballot room from a news website got taken down from social media. Me showing you, the lady, going into the ballot room after that other video and pulling ballots out of a room that was not supposed to have ballots in the room, according to the clerk's own lawyer and the local Democrats that got taken down from social media, even though it's verifiably true and you can see it on video. But this, there's no evidence. There's no evidence of a plot to steal the next presidential election. Hillary, you psychopath. The only one who tried to steal an election was Hillary, and she wasn't successful, so she helped him set up the next time to do it. It's really all that happened. 
as I was telling somebody before, <laughs> we were having this discussion um, somewhere, and they're like, yeah, I can't uh, can't believe 81 million people voted for Biden. I said, no, no, no. Biden got 81 million votes. He didn't get 81 million people to vote for him. Big difference. Got more coming up. 95.3 MNC. Somebody sent me a message and said that they were surprised to see Susan Sarandon playing a regular role in a uh, a network Dallas-type drama. She may be getting a daily dose of Nashville conservative common sense, and maybe that's why. Uh, I don't know what Susan Sarandon is doing. I'm aware of a Dallas-type drama that exists right now. I don't watch that stuff anymore. Dallas is a great show. I grew up watching Dallas and I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, maybe I suppose it's possible. Susan Sarandon does have a history of being disenfranchised with radical leftists in the democratic party, but she is, she's also very left wing. So I don't know. Uh, may, you know, you can be very left wing or very right wing and still oppose, you know, totalitarianism. That's always possible. So maybe that's a part of it. Uh, can you cue my audio, please? I'm going to run through several different clips here. And I just, I don't know what to call this, but it wasn't a debate. This was, you could call it, I, I know that we throw this term around a lot nowadays, but you could call this elder abuse, what Ron DeSantis did to Charlie Crist. Uh, Ron DeSantis may very well have committed a felony with what he did to Charlie Crist during that so-called debate. Because Ron DeSantis beat him mercilessly. And I don't I don't know how Charlie Crist was able to walk out of that stadium. I thought for sure he was going to die. It, it's just brutal. Here's one example. It's a fair question. He won't tell you. We did not agree on the candidates asking each other questions. Time? Governor, it's your turn. Well, listen, I know that Charlie's interested in talking about 2024 and Joe Biden, but I just want to make things very, very clear. The only worn-out old donkey I'm looking to put out to pasture is Charlie Crist. Now, that came after Charlie Crist looked at DeSantis and said, can you vow, because you're so focused on running for 2024, can you vow that you're not going to run for president? You're going to serve a full four-year term? Keep in mind that Ron DeSantis has already served a full four-year term. So if he does, if he does choose to run for president, he's basically going to be leaving two years out of his eight. And he didn't answer because it wasn't his time. And he kept asking, he goes, is it my time now? Can I answer? Whatever. And then, of course, the debate moderator point out to Charlie Chris that we did not agree to ask other candidates questions. And, and then he tried to accuse DeSantis of, of not having an answer at the very beginning of that clip. But really what was happening is DeSantis was waiting for the moderator to say that it was his turn to go. And then the moment the moderator gave him the okay, he comes out with that. The only worn out old donkey I'm looking to put out to pasture is Charlie Crist. Brutal, right? I mean, it's just, that's only one of many moments, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just going to skim through here and find some of my 
favorites. Um, this is a good one. This is a good exchange. Charlie Chris attempted to paint Governor DeSantis as the shutdown guy immediately after DeSantis had talked about how he rejected Chris's calls to shut the state down. This was hysterical. And I would also say this. You mentioned, Liz, that people are flocking to Florida. That would not have happened if Charlie Chris had his way. He wrote me a letter in July of 2020 saying you need to shut down the state of Florida. He said you need to force people to shelter in their own homes. That would have destroyed the state of Florida. That would have caused that would have caused our tourism industry to go into. I remember him writing that, by the way, millions of kids from school. I rejected Charlie yep. Chris lockdown letter. I kept this state open yep. and I kept this state free. And we now have the biggest budget surplus in the history of Florida. Uh, we have a 2.5% unemployment, governor, second lowest on fine. record, and we just did the biggest tax cut in Florida Thank history. You, now now listen listen to this. <laughs> this craziness. Thank you very much. Well, Ron, that's rich. You're the only governor in the history of Florida that's ever shut down our schools. Okay. We talked about Charlie Crist writing that letter on this show because it became publicly known. Charlie Crist, who's a former governor of Florida, Charlie Crist wrote a letter to Ron DeSantis and asked him to shut the state down. Because he was, he was thinking that DeSantis was doing the wrong thing by keeping the state open. Now, every state closed down at the very beginning of the pandemic because we didn't know anything about it. Every state did. So the entire country did the two-week thing, right? And then most of the country kept going after that. Ron DeSantis started looking at the science, brought his science people, and he's, okay, well, we're going to follow the science here, and we're going we're gonna to reopen, and that's what we're going to do. Throughout the entire pandemic, the entire pandemic, Florida and Ron DeSantis were being attacked by everybody, including Charlie Crist, for not shutting the state down and for staying open. And now Charlie Crist is like, you're the only governor who's ever shut schools down. That's rich. He's the only governor who's ever faced a pandemic in modern times. I mean, it's just hysterical to watch this, but he continues to be clown himself a little bit more. So have a listen. You're the only governor in the history of Florida that shut down our businesses. I never did that as governor. You're the one who's... There was no pandemic when you were governor, dummy. The shutdown guy. We need to have somebody who is at the helm that understands it's important to listen to science, to do what's right, to utilize common sense. You don't just shut down at the outset, and then when it's, you know, politically convenient for you, you want to open back up the store political... Listen to how he spun that. You just don't, you don't shut down the outside. Charlie Crist wanted everybody to shut down right away. How would they, how would they have painted it if Ron DeSantis didn't do the initial two weeks with everybody else before anybody knew anything? That's before DeSantis knew anything about it. There was no studies done. There was no data available. Nobody knew anything about the virus. Nobody even knew who the virus was targeting. Nobody knew the lethality of the virus at the time. Nobody knew anything. And he's like, how dare you just shut down at the outset? You demanded that he shut down later. It was hysterical stuff. But anyway, he continues. DeSantis is like laughing. Governor, you have 30 
seconds. Well, so he opposed having kids in school. Yep. His supporters sued me yep. to keep the kids out of school in 2020. And, ha and how critical was that decision? We just got the nation's report card, the results from all 50 states. Florida, number three in fourth grade reading and number four in the country in fourth grade math. And if you adjust that for demographics, we are number one in the country in both. That would not have happened if we let Charlie Chris and his friends lock our kids out of school like they did in California and like they did in New York. We did Thank it right you, in Florida. Okay. Now, again, this is just some of it, okay? Here's another clip. Governor. So we had the border that was in much better shape in January of 2021. By the way, I feel like I need to address this. The people who are yelling and stuff like that, those are, um, I believe they're, they're AstroTurf from the, the Christ campaign. They were yelling over DeSantis every time DeSantis said something in violation of the debate rules, by the way. And they repeatedly refused to stay silent so the debate could take place. So every time DeSantis opened his mouth, they would yell over him to try and prevent him from, from uh, talking and also to fluster him. They were eventually, notice it didn't fluster him at all, but they were eventually kicked out of the venue. Okay, So when you hear them, just know that they are AstroTurf paid campaign people that are there just to try and disrupt the debate on behalf of Chris because Chris couldn't win this thing on his own, and he still got slaughtered. The Biden administration reversed almost every policy that was in place, and they opened the floodgates. That's why we have the problem. It's not from some phantom piece of legislation. And, you know, I hear Charlie Chris talking about some of this other stuff. You know, he as a congressman made $174,000 a year. You know how many days he showed up to work in Washington, D.C. this year? 14 days. Imagine that deal for you. You show up 14 days and you make over hundred grand. That's the type of That's effort this guy work. puts into actually doing his job. And that's after Chris is sitting there telling him, like, right, can you promise you'll be here for the entire four years and not run for president? Youch. DeSantis would hit him on a lot of things. I could play you the entire debate. The entire debate is just DeSantis throat punching Chris over and over and over and over. And some of the moments were even better than the ones that I played for you here today. Um, I encourage you. I'll have a couple of links in the Daily Show prep with some clips. So you should check that out at btmedia.news. It, it wasn't a debate. Chris probably regrets having that debate because he already had no chance of winning this thing. He definitely had no chance of winning this thing this time. It was brutal. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Show. My God. Ah, sorry. Long day. <clears throat> X-Fog's awesome, though. <laughs> That's not the way that I wanted to come in. Usually I will yawn during the commercial break, not when I'm coming back. But X-Fog is an essential piece of safety equipment. Everybody should have it. If you do any activity that requires eye protection, X-Fog should be in your tool chest, period. This completely eliminates fog. It is rechargeable. It is rugged as all get up. Super light, whisper quiet. You can run X-Fog for hours and hours and hours on your safety glasses. They will not fog up and you will not hear it at all. Go to xfog.com, E-X-F-O-G, 
com. Use promo code Casey to get 10% off. Make sure you talk to your hiring managers, your supervisors, and make sure you talk to your favorite retail store about carrying XFOG anti-fog system today. Go to their website and poke around. Take a look at some of the video reviews. Take a look at some of the torture testing that was done on it. Learn more about some of the features that XFOG has. And you can also take a look at the stress test and the different ways in which you can mount XFOG to whatever you're wearing. I personally have it mounted to a baseball cap that I wear when I'm doing my work in my garage, and it's just on a little Velcro strap. And if you think that uh, XFOG is, is heavy, that proves that it's not. I can wear it on a ball cap with a Velcro strap that is uh, with a Velcro patch that is designed for you know just a normal patch that would stick to it. And it doesn't affect the hat at all. It doesn't pull the hat off my head. It doesn't hurt my neck or anything like that. This thing is extremely lightweight, yet really tough. Go to xfog.com, learn more about more about it, promo code Casey. Again, you save 10%. All right. Uh, I did forget this earlier today as we were talking about Hillary Clinton already setting up that uh, the unpatriotic extremist view that the presidential election that is upcoming in 2024 is going to be stolen. And she alluded to her election being stolen because her supporters would certainly understand what she was about to talk about. Then you had the MSNBC news anchor saying that the the uh, the risk and the security of our current election is you know very, very bad. We should probably bring in foreign countries to help monitor our elections because election security. These are all the same people who are telling you that our elections are totally safe and secure. Yet they're calling for foreign powers to come in here and observe. I forgot to tell you that the White House also issued an election security warning two weeks uh, before the upcoming election, which is expected to be a to- total blowout in favor of Republicans. I forgot to tell you this. This is uh, the third one. The former vice president's administration is reportedly preparing to issue major warnings about U.S. election security just two weeks out from the election. And uh, multiple media outlets reported that the looming warning Politico, for instance, claimed on Monday that the administration's security officials are tracking multiple threats to the nation's election security infrastructure ahead of the midterms and are set to issue warnings, including an internal intelligence bulletin this week. And they're all setting it up to go, well, if there's a Republican blowout here, it was all stolen. Mark my words, they're going to say it was stolen. They're going to say there was something that happened that affected the the security. They're all doing it now. All of these media outlets are doing it. It's all emanating from the White House, which you're told is unpatriotic, is a conspiracy theory that is only spread by radical extremists. Hmm. Interesting. The New York Supreme Court has reinstated all employees who were fired for being unvaccinated. Whoa. It also ordered back pay. Start looking for more of these cases. The New York State Supreme Court has reinstated all employees who were fired for not being vaccinated, ordering back pay and saying that their rights have been violated. The court found Monday that being vaccinated does not prevent an individual from contracting or or transmitting COVID-19 which is true. New York City Mayor Merrick, uh, Eric Adams claimed earlier this year that his administration would not rehire employees who had been fired over their vaccination status. New York City alone fired 1,400 employees for being unvaccinated earlier this year after the city adopted a vaccine mandate under former Mayor Bill de Blasio. I was in the hospital the other day, and the hospital kept saying that they were short-staffed. Hospital, by the way, still making everybody wear masks, by the way. Well, this is not in her head. I assume you know this. <laughs> um, 
they're still making everybody wear masks in spite of the fact that we know it doesn't do anything. And, you know, people were kind of complaining that, hey, we, you know, nobody's seen us and we've been here for a couple of hours and this is kind of bad. Like, you know, this person has chest pain and whatnot. And, and they're like, well, we don't have the staff. I'm sorry. We just don't have the staff. Why do you think they don't have the staff? Because they fired them. That's the truth. But if New York does this, look for other states to do it as well. Just something to keep your eye on. Um, a little surprised by this ruling, but hey, if you ask me, it's the correct ruling. You should never be forced to be vaccinated. I'm sorry, you just shouldn't. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Did I tell everybody yesterday about the stellar job that Dr. Warren did on my back? Yes, I did. Oh, man. Like, I still have, I have fantasy dreams about that happening to me again. I went in to get adjusted yesterday at Warren Chiropractic. And you already know, again, my my neck issue has been resolved and my spinal curvature is 92% better. But I went in, I hadn't been in there in about a month just because of a schedule change. And I just hadn't, hadn't been able to get in there. And I went in, and holy smokes, I don't think he's ever cracked my back as loud or as hard as what happened yesterday. And it felt so good. And I, I dream about that happening again. I, typically, you're not supposed to just go for the adjustments, and Warren Chiropractic is really good about doing all the additional therapies and things of that nature that people need. So if you're dealing with back or neck pain, go to warrenchiro.com, click on the new patient tab, and set up a consultation. Go in there and have them evaluate you and kind of explain what's going on and what they can do for you because they're not just a snap, crackle, and pop clinic like a lot of other chiropractic places are. This is a true whole true whole body health place for you to go, and it has been a game changer for myself, for my family. I highly recommend it. I only went there because you all recommended that I go there. Now, for the rest of you, I'm recommending that you go there before you try back surgery, which is dangerous. Go to warrenchiro.com, click on the new patient tab. When you go into Warren Chiropractic, let them know that I sent you. And also make sure you go online, 953mnc.com. Get your noise tickets to go see Lauren Southern. She's going to be in town on November 19th on stage with me. We're going to be talking about a whole host of things. What? I don't know exactly yet, but get your tickets, 953mnc.com. And we'll see you at noise on November 19th.